Hello, welcome back to another episode of Creative Chit Chat. Uh, I'm Ryan McLeod. Um, thanks for coming back and listening, um, and thanks to everyone who has supported the podcast so far. Um, yeah, since I've set up the, uh, the sort of buy me a coffee link, um, it's been great. So thank you to everyone who supported that. It, it really does help make this possible um, and allow me to continue sort of putting people in front of the microphone. Um, so if anyone has been enjoying the podcast. Um, then you can buy me a cup of coffee. It's ko-fi.com forward slash ccc Dundee, and you can buy me a cup of coffee and um, yeah, keep the episodes coming. But yeah, this week's guest uh, is Seagull, um, who's a street artist um, based in Dundee, and I suppose he's inspired by the the sort of uh, the personality, um, the cheekiness, the sort of um, ballsiness, I suppose of. Uh, Dundonian seagulls um, and I mean he talks about he's been doing this for maybe I think it's eight or nine years now um, and he sort of goes into the, the development of his of his style um, and also sort of some of the politics around um, spaces, etiquette um, graffiti versus street art and how he's had to sort of find a space within that for himself um, and the sort of difficulties that that's thrown up uh, but yeah it's a really sort of interesting insight into that that whole world and sort of subculture um, we also talk about my favourite thing which is mini golf um, and the mini golf course that um, Seagull built uh, during lockdown um, from materials that were sort of found and sourced through his other job at Scrap Antics um, and we talk a bit about that and the sort of loose parts play stuff as well and I, I mean if you don't know about Scrap Antics I would uh, definitely go and check them out and have a look at their um, or go f- for a visit to their scrap store um, filled with the weird and wonderful uh, materials resources from I don't know paper and uh, paint to I mean pretty much anything um, yes yeah, so if you don't know them already go and check them out and also go and have a look at um, Seagull's work and the links all in the show notes um, but yeah I'll not say any more let's just get into this week's episode and this is street artist Seagull when I was a kid, I really liked Banksy and kind of street art and graffiti and stuff like that, and was just always inspired by it. Or, I don't know, like the bravery of doing it and the coolness of doing it, kind of the secretness of it and stuff. So I always was an interest of it, but didn't really start doing anything seagull based for a long time. Um, like I came to Dundee originally to do a computing course, which didn't work out, and then went to do a portfolio prep course at um, Douglas Street. And like it was alright, but I don't know, I just wasn't really into it, if you know what I mean. I'd like it. I don't know, I just don't have I don't like being told things to do. I know this now is present like I know that sounds bad, but like I, it's more I like figuring stuff out myself. Like that's my kind of whole thing. Like I just like taking being like, I could do that with that and make that and I'm just like doing that as opposed to being like, Oh, this is how you draw a person. I don't know, I don't have to draw a person. So for a few years, the kind of general street art of stencils of pirates and stuff and like uh, zombies, blah, 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 I was when The Walking Dead, that kind of thing was big. So just kind of doing that and I don't know, I was just copying other people's stencils from the internet, really, or just like kind of breaking it down a bit on computers and stuff like that. But it wasn't very original or anything. It was just kind of general pictures for the crack of doing street art, like 
running about at places that I paint now, like big pieces during the day, running about with like a stencil up my jumper and like you know, like a little can in my bag, wondering if I could put stencils inside pizza boxes to make it more subtle and you know be more sneaky and cool. And then at some point, like everybody who's lived in Dundee knows about seagulls. You know, like seagulls are a big kind of thing in Dundee that is kind of commented on a lot. And then figured out the tag seagull, so the sea dot girl, and that's kind of where it all came from in terms of why I'm sitting here doing this podcast now. Just thought it was really funny, and <laughs> just like seagull turned into something that I can express my sense of humor through more than everything, anything else. Like I like painting, I like doing art; it's all good. But I just love the idea of giving people a laugh, and that's been the root of it from early on. So like the original, probably the first things I did was little seagulls with stanley blades and like kind of like so they'd be stabbing you for your chips and stuff like that and tiny little stencils which took ages to make and were like a4 by a4 and being like oh that's a cool thing to do and then over time um just kind of started getting bigger with it and a bit less worried about being caught or anything like that so painted just started painting seagulls in a variety of different like it was mainly the stanley blade ones for a while as i figured out how spray paint works because spray paint is a really difficult tool to use like i love like there's some pictures from like the first things i ever did and it's just um just these horrible lines like cause I, I can get pretty tight black lines now i'm very very proud of it you know because it took so long to get decent it but like just like really unflowy lines that just kind of and at the time i was like that's brilliant i'll do it you know i mean seagulls ha 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 and yeah i just started doing that for a while like just kind of taking the piss a little bit and then so how many how many years ago do you reckon that was when seagull that would be about eight or nine years ago actually well seagull i started painting and then but one of the first things i did was make little seagull models out of chip boxes with curry sauce boxes on top of them um so like i was just in a flat one night had a chippy and realized that a uh, curry sauce box on top of a chip box looked a bit like a seagull. And I was like, that's pretty funny. And had some wire lying about that. So I kind of put the wire into the back of the model to be able to put it places. And then, like, as I was saying before, about like that's what I like about making stuff and like art, etc. It's just kind of figuring it out with the stuff that you've got available. Like, I just think that's such a fascinating process of being like, ah, and then kind of developing it and going on with it. Like, because I was saying about going to college like that's that's not much of that for me because it's kind of given you i don't know just kind of like do this project and like no i don't know i don't know what what to do with that that's okay how about i make a seagull out of a chip box though that would be great and so but it's just like kind of trying to have an original idea in this world is so difficult like so many of the like good ideas have taken ages before we ever existed you know and like so just with the seagull thing, like, so with the chip boxes, figured out that at Rose Angle, the murder house that everyone knows is the murder house up at Rose Angle, was a really good spot to be able to put them because it wasn't too accessible by people. So you had to do a bit of climbing to get there, but it could still be seen. And yeah, I did that for a while. Um, and they kind of disappeared here, there and everywhere. And I always thought they were getting thrown away. But years later, a few people have come up to me and been like, oh, I've got one in the house, you know, because they took it home when they were like coming home drunk and stuff like that. So yeah, that was like the first thing with like seagulls really. Like I should probably make another one of those. They're really funny. <laughs> and, like it's it's interesting like again with the way that I create, like with those models, I spent ages figuring that out, getting it up to like a certain point and like kind of moved it up to milk bottles and like other bottles and figuring out the best bottle combination and stuff like that. Then made the perfect one. I was like, right, done with that, what next? You know, but like I was quite a lot like that with most of my artistic projects before Seagull. And Seagull's just kind of given me a way to tie that thought process together of just moving on to a different way of doing it and like with 
the jokes and stuff like that because i think like with when i was anyway, when i was doing standing life stuff like haha very funny but then i figured out i could do puns <laughs> and i make puns anyway like seagull itself is a pun and then i think like the first main one i did was spice girls which i thought was brilliant and then just started doing them after that i think i think i'm at about 40 to 50 individual largely large painted seagull puns on the streets of dundee for the vans and like yeah it's a weird thing and then like so that's been over time obviously but in the early days like i started seeing people posting my stuff on social media and like being like oh it's seagull stuff blah 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 and i was like oh cool that's great for my brain you know so i kind of went on social media and then through that just started posting on the internet and stuff which is a hugely cool tool in this day and age i'd be intrigued to see how seagull would have done before the internet like i'd love to know that like kind of would it be received in the same way or anything if you know what i mean like just how people would communicate about stuff like that you know so I but then I, I mean like sort of street art and graffiti it, that's it came from that recognition yeah, yeah. it came yeah. from that being known for your like getting up and, and seeing you everywhere and yeah, I, yeah that you wanted people to know who you were yeah was that was that a driving force for what you were doing or was it more of just like a sort of artistic expression in the first instance? um i think it was just a combination of me wanting to give people a laugh and being interested in graffiti and street art in that anyway so like it was just a good kind of collab of those two things and just kind of putting it out in the street like i recommend to every artist i know just paint it in the street people see it more you know like like it's a very limited thing like because if you put something up it can be gone two days later it can stay up for ages you know what i mean but it's kind of it's part of it as well like i think that's a really interesting element of street art and graffiti is that it does go over time and i think that's the right thing for public art personally i think it's cool that it does change over and change over time because if it's just one piece forever and ever and ever just you look through it eventually you know what i mean so like i like the fact that my stuff goes it makes me work better at it or just like not be too worried about it in a way i guess you know so yeah i mean uh, like so they were talking about it in sort of two terms we're talking about graffiti and street art yeah so like what what do you see as what defines both of those things um well graffiti to me is more illegal based or it's like lettering and illegal based in a very kind of specific culture type thing and then street art is kind of to me anyway more image based and more kind of populist and stuff like that like graffiti is an amazing art form and i can't do it i've tried and like i've got better over time like absolutely like i do sketch lettering and that and stuff like that but it's just such a like with the way that spray paint works some of the really good artists just the control they've got over the can is insane and like it's just such a really cool free expression but i struggle with it like hence why seagull is so hard lines like i kind of took me a long time to be able to get my lines really really hard with spray paint it's a nightmare but like got and like i'm really proud of where i've got to that but like using even still now using spray paint in that kind of really free swooshy way i find difficult because a it costs loads so you know like it's not a cheap hobby just to waste some paint on and b it's just kind of such confidence in what you're doing you know like and i love doing seagull because it's my thing so i know that it looks like what i want it to look like you know so it just kind of means i don't have to worry about it not looking as good as other people's because i'm painting seagulls and i don't care <laughs> you know so it can look like whatever you want um but yeah so street art's more like image based and stuff and they do have like crossover and stuff but i'm definitely mainly street art you know that's what i do and yeah no, it's just the fun like i don't think i would be where i am right now if i wasn't doing it as street art like if i had just been doing prints of seagull or whatever like it would have not got anywhere near but it's what it's got because people can see it in the street and people like kind of can kind of work out the jokes and everything you know like uh yeah so where was i in terms of my career so over time people were like um 
can you sell stuff with seagulls on it? And I was like, yeah, cool. I could do that. That's really weird. And like, this is really early on in what I do. And like, I see some of that stuff now and I'm like, I can't believe people blow that. Like, and I feel kind of like, so it was even just with like the wrong pens and stuff like that. But people were so into it. They were like, yeah, it's cool. I'll pay that amount of money for that. And so that was really cool and fun. And I kind of started doing a lot of markets and kind of people would commission me to do seagull based stuff for them as well. And like, sometimes people ask me, to do commissions that aren't seagull based and i'm generally like no that's not my thing and i'm not good at it you know like because seagull is so like my thing and so over time yeah i just started selling stuff like prints and stickers and all that jazz but i don't really like getting stuff printed like i just kind of find it to be a bit of a i like making the things that i sell you know like, i don't like i've done it before so i get like totes and t-shirts and I printed and that but i don't know i just never put that much energy or effort into it like i just don't really enjoy it like i like it when i sell people like pictures that i've hand drawn and it's a one of a kind never going to exist again and it just kind of gives it more of a meaning and i never tag any of my stuff that i sell like, i never put seagull on it because i love the idea of somebody having to explain it to a friend exactly what is going on because what i do like with the little legs like if you see it for the first time it might take a second to figure it out like i think i've got people with followed it for so long it's quite cool i've definitely spoken to people before who've been really interested in watching the development of it over time and they can just kind of see it go from what it was to like how ridiculous it is now really yeah and so how do you when you talk about that that sort of progression mm-hmm. um and obviously you talked about sort of like honing your skills yeah um and the sort of the being able to control the lines and that sort of stuff but yeah. like um how else do you think that your style has sort of progressed over um, time just like getting a getting bigger with graffiti like with graffiti and street art it takes a while to realize how big you can go like because it is like a really big process you like meters and meters of board and i do it sometimes now where i'll do something that's like eight meters by like four meters or whatever or like eight meters by two meters i guess um and it's like oh, that's a normal day ha 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 but like, it's like it was only a few years ago where i was painting tiny stencils and thinking that was like took so much effort and stuff but now being able to rock out go to a wall and be able to do something quite big and not like three or four hours you know like that's one of those things where you're walking away and going yeah cool i can con- i know what i'm doing with this now you know like i can confidently come up and like do what i was planning on doing yeah so yeah and so in dundee um obviously in the last like few years or so there's been a lot more um sort of legal or like i suppose accepted graffiti walls in the mm-hmm. city um yeah. and when you talk about doing those walls is that is that where you're doing them uh yeah i i generally just only paint i paint legal walls and i definitely paint walls on the edge of legal a lot of the time like i'll never paint anything that's obviously don't paint there type thing but there's a few spots that i go to where it's not like abandoned it's not technically being legalized but it's also completely on abandoned buildings you know where it's already got loads of paint on it so i just think it might as well look nice so like yeah i've definitely pushed it there sometimes and i go i've had the police called on me and i've just been like yeah i mean this is okay yeah and they're like yep cool no worries i'm like yeah really. so yeah like i definitely pushed it a bit but i think it's just with the reasonability of it and just I just think see that as being fine in my mind if you know like if it's an abandoned building and nobody's looking after like and it's just waiting to fall down it might as well look nice in the period of time that it's going between there and yeah so i don't tend to do like illegal stuff right like never like, even at the boards down at the train tracks like i used to think i was being really illegal down there but i wasn't like if people i think there was this one time where this wee old lady was like oh that looks nice and i was like all right cool <laughs> like this isn't an issue is it really so yeah uh, and so like down there there's obviously like a lot of people want to paint and you talk about um how sort of um temporary that can be mm-hmm. um and essentially anyone could just come o- come along and, and paint over what you've done yeah 
Um, so how, I mean, how does that work, like, <laughs> politics-wise? Uh, it's a bit of a nightmare sometimes. It's actually been all right for the last few years. Um, like, I've had some guys come at me pretty hard sometimes, like, never in, like, actual real life, but kind of actually when I've painted stuff, intentionally coming down the next day or even that evening to go over it, like, and, like, score me up with, like, just rude things, you know? And it's crazy. Like, I don't understand that energy in this world at all. Like, I don't get it. Like, I, early on, when I started painting, I definitely, there is a total culture and it's a whole um, e um, way of painting. Like, don't go in, like, the middle of other people's stuff and all that jazz. And I totally, early on, I definitely did some things that now I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that. But, like, since then, like, sometimes you think you've done all the rules and then there's just some kind of, like, oh, but you didn't do that. And it's like, oh, man, come on. Like, I'm just painting seagulls. And I've been painting long enough now in order to, like, be able to, like, yeah, look, I can do it pretty well now as well. And, yeah, but, yeah, like, it's been fine for the last few years. But there was a period of time where this one guy just did not like my shtick, shall we say. And just came at me quite a lot, like, just lots of penises. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, at first it was like, what are you doing? But now I just don't really care at all because it's just, it's, like, part of it. Like, if you're going to step into another culture's world, then you're going to expect some kind of kickback on it as well, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, I can't expect Seagull to constantly be brilliant and fine. It's got to be a writing a write-off point, you know what I mean? So if I'm coming into the graffiti world and stuff, of course, there's going to be people that are going to come at you with it. And, like, it is a, like, graffiti is a crazy subculture. Like, it's beautiful art. And, like, some people have met for it really nice. But there's a very angry element to it, which I don't really vibe with at all. Like, it's just some of the stuff that is. And it's just so, like, oh, I'm just, like, I'm running around playing, like, penises on things. I mean, it's like, other people's art, that's pretty mad to me. But, you know, like, I also sometimes see where it comes from. Like, it is, like, I appreciate the other side of graffiti where it's actually illegal graffiti so like i'm a really easy hit for somebody who's wanting to do some graffiti because i'm sorry street art because like there is a crossover of street art and graffiti and a lot of graffiti artists play street art the other way around but with my seagull thing it's so street art there's no way around it you know like it's the definition of street art which i totally get why graffiti world is like oh, God, don't like that that's not cool enough so you know i get it it's fine but I like, go with the temporary element of it as well. Like, I mean, stuff's going to get gone over. If I'm going to paint in the street, then it's going to get gone over eventually. So, like, what's, no worry. Like, it was a period of time where I'd get scored and I'd, like, go and do little edits and stuff like that. Like, kind of, like, do, like, kind of plasters over the scoring or some, like, a little funny joke and stuff. That, well, I thought was really funny, but it didn't take kindly to that, so I stopped. <laughs> and, like, have you ever had a conversation with the person or, like, do you know the person? Um, I think like one of the main dudes has walked past me before and like said some arsy stuff. There was one time where one of them just walked past me where I was painting somewhere and he just threw up this middle M&M finger for like a good minute. <laughs> and then like, yeah, that was kind of weird and stuff. Like that. But it's like never really come to blows or come to head or anything like that. You know, like it's never, none of that's ever happened, which is fine. Like I think it's just a very angry so I'm not angry subculture very like, clicky or clicky is not even the right word it's just like basically hitting me like graffiti there's a lot of rubbing in it for everybody in it you know and I'm such an easy hit because they know I won't react so it's that kind of classic thing of like they know I'm not going to come back and score I've never ever ever score somebody else's pieces like just not my thing like, I'll go over it completely and utterly because you need to find space but like just kind of scoring growing up and just that few marks it's just such a not cool thing i mean yeah. you're talking about like selecting that space for a piece yeah absolutely. So, so like what how do you choose um so it's 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 just something you have to do really like you just have to make that choice if if, if painting spot is completely full you're going over somebody that day like if you know the area well 
then you can kind of pick out, or at least I try and pick out older pieces. And then also kind of counting for like how much skill it was in it and stuff like that. But it's such a crazy concept because eventually like all spots do become just really, really good pieces. And then there's not really much you can do about it because you've got to go over something, you know, I mean, like it's supposed to like, especially the legal spots is supposed to be somewhere that everyone's been able to paint, but it gets so much better and better and better that it's kind of interesting that when people do go and score it, it creates a new spot, which is kind of a like way of itself healing itself, if you know what I mean, because like, it's just like, it is a giant, beautiful piece and nobody wants to touch it, but then somebody will come and do something stupid and then it can kind of be taken. But like, and then like main thing for me really is size as well. Like I want to, I don't want to like cut somebody else's, whatever it is in half or anything like that. Cause I would just like, if that happened to me, I'd be annoyed. If I get taken out, I'm fully taken out, you know, it's fine. It's cool. But like, if he gets cut in half, it's just I don't know, a bit weird. It's like so that's like that's my main objective is to like completely cover the previous person's so that's not viewable anymore. Like I know that's a weird like just saying that out loud is like even isn't that worse? But if you 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 have to go over each other. I mean it's just part of the painting in this city, you know. Especially like Dundee's like pretty good. It's got quite a lot of big legal spots, but if like so like eventually they all become full, so you've got to choose somewhere to paint. So like I definitely. I used to do kind of just like single seagull characters, which never really take out the whole spot. So I'm always leaving something behind it. So now I'll definitely go down with a full background and stuff like that. So I'm at least taking the entire spot, you know, makes that kind of makes it look better and look neater. Cause at the end of the day, like want these spots to look good. So if it's all kind of half capped stuff and everything, like it doesn't look that good. So yeah, but yeah, it's not, you've just got to make a choice really. You're just going to go right. I'm painting here and hope that the people you paint over aren't RC about it. And so, I mean, is there, you said there are a lot of legal spots already mm-hmm. in Dundee, but is there, do you feel there's more opportunity to create more spots? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, there's loads of places, loads, loads, loads of places. I think like how to get it to work is a difficult one sometimes, but like I wish there was more of a street art culture, at least like more artists or as being an option just for anything really. Because like, I think a lot of people get put off by graffiti stuff. I've definitely seen it happen to people where like kind of normal artists come out and be like, oh, I'm going to do some street art. And then like graffiti is like, no, no, that's not happening. And then like, oh, <laughs> I'm not going to do street art. Whereas I've just kind of kept going, you know, for it. Um, so, yeah. so what is it? So have you said like the, like a perfect spot? Like what, what is it that, that makes that work? And as you said, like it's difficult to make it work. So what are those things that would like make it fall into place? Um, I don't think it's possible <laughs> for one if I, I think it can be ever-changing i think what makes it a perfect spot is accepting it's going to change and accepting that some people are going to be rc on it because that's just what people are so as opposed to having it be the perfect spot have it be just somewhere that paint can go and hopefully nobody will ruin it excessively because if we want it to be street art and constantly changing then it's constantly changing actually the perfect spot that i can think of is at the bus station at the moment because like it was marianne lane at one point and it was very small kind of dodgy lane type thing and then there was a big kind of bus shelter area beside it. And then the bus shelter area got knocked down. And then they put fencing all the way around it so that nobody could get in and out of it. But some council, some whoever did that job that day, didn't put the fence together right. So it became accessible. And that's become one of the best spots in Dundee. Because I didn't really like Marianne Lane because it was quite dingy and quite dark. You couldn't really see all the way down it and stuff. But it's just a really big open space with plenty of wall for like everybody to paint on, you know, and like fairly visible, like quite a lot of sun and stuff like that. But it's got from what i've when i've been painting there so far it's just kind of a nice spot to paint you know like it's just there hasn't been that kind of b 
beefiness that's definitely seen happen other places where it's just completely taken over by graffiti which like it's fair enough graffiti cultures exist way beyond what i've been painting and stuff but like yeah the that one's pretty good at the moment in terms of just being like feeling like i can go paint there and i'm not doing something wrong even though i'm never doing something wrong with it but still that kind of feeling of how it's viewed by the community and stuff so like over the the sort of eight nine years that you've been doing this Mm. um i mean i think i first came across your work um and they open close doors um and and you you've got the I don't know if you still got the door down by Draffins. Yeah, I've painted over a few times over the years, but as far as I'm aware, it's still seagull based. <laughs> um, and so, do you think like there are more like commercial opportunities now than what there used to be? Yeah, no, there absolutely there is. Like the way it's changed over like the years is huge. You know, like I guess it it's just more of an accepted thing that people can do large, large pieces of art with spray painting and stuff like that. Like. It's one of those things that I didn't really live in many cities or like when I was a kid. So I don't really know how acceptable it was, but I feel like I didn't really see much of this kind of stuff when I was a kid. You know, like I remember it being kind of big spray painted murals being put up. Where now it's definitely a bigger thing with the cities. Like, hey, instead of that being, you know, black and grey and boring, how about we have it be colourful? You know, like and I think that the street art element of that is great and it makes cities more interesting. I don't, I, when if I ever go to cities, I, I always notice it. You know, it's interesting. That other people don't because it's something that i always notice when i go like oh look at that look at that oh look at that <laughs> yes i am yeah i think like it's something that i guess i but is i think i'm more aware of it because i'm totally in it and i'm constantly looking for like the commissions and stuff like that to do so it's something that obviously probably both of us notice more than most people you know as well and so like what sort of um like percentage of your like income or your workload is your street art street art um like it's always been about a third to a half it's never been a bit i'd like i'd like the idea of it becoming a massive thing that i can sell and it can be on cushions and stuff like that actually i like the idea of it being really easy like if somebody would just buy seagull off me i'd probably be happy and i'd start doing beagles or something like that you know so like but I don't know, I just kind of like doing it. Like, as I was saying earlier, I don't really like making prints or stuff like that, and I'm not a good businessman. Like, you know, like I just kind of... I wanted early on in my early 20s to be, like, to be like a vaguely noteworthy street artist, and now I am, and I don't really know what to do after that, because I'm like, right, cool, I've achieved that. Anyway, I'm not really too worried about getting... I don't have the patience to get better at doing this, because that's something I've developed so hard, why would I? But, like... Yeah, I just like it'd be cool if it was like my main thing, but it's also I know it's just very specific. Like I, I think people will get, always get bigger murals than me, who can kind of bend it or like do more like kind of general images, which is super cool. And that like they're always like appeal to more people, but like for my stuff, it's a very specific joke, and I see why people will be like, well, is are people gonna get it, or like it's a bit of a risk, you know, that like, people are gonna find the Steven Seagal joke funny, <laughs> or are they just gonna be like, what? Well, why has it got spiky legs? <laughs> it's got spiky legs because early on I found it really hard to paint feet, so I just gave up <laughs> and just gave it a little spike, which I thought was really funny. Uh, yeah, so yeah, but like I, I also like enjoy working as well. Like I like having a job. I think I'm, I wish I could put as much effort into seagull as i do into other people's businesses sometimes but i just don't have it or like i don't need to like not like kind of good businesses but like kind of like when i was like chefing and stuff like that like if i put that amount of energy into seagull like it'd be much bigger by now but i just don't for some reason just so what yeah like what's what is it that's holding you back um i don't know just what you want Uh, like 
I've, I don't I've even held back. I think I've pretty much reached my peak in terms of seagull-based jokes, <laughs> you know, and just kind of do it funny. Like, I've done, like, so many puns now that I'm just like, what do I do now? Like, I don't, I don't really want to take any bigger. I like where it is at the moment. And I say, like, I got, like, totes in that printed a few weeks ago, and they're like, yeah, this is all going to print. These are all going to sell really quickly. And they didn't, you know. Most of them are sold now. But, like, at the time, I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be a really successful thing. But it's just such a risk to take sometimes that you're just like, is it even worth it? Like... I don't know, I really like what I've got for Seag- with Seagull, I always have, like, it's something that if teenage me could see me, they'd be like, well, that's, that's pretty cool, you know, like, hey, you're making really ridiculous jokes, and, like, people meet me through through it, who are, like, if they find out I'm Seagull, there's often there's two reactions to people coming up in a conversation that I'm Seagull. One is, oh my god, you're a Seagull, that is so cool, I loved your stuff for years, and one is, what? Which I think is always really interesting because like some people just like, and then you've kind of got to explain it and like that. But I think there's definitely a core, like a decent amount of people in Dundee who have seen my work develop in different stages over the years. So I think some people get really, really excited about it. And they see me as being like, I don't know, removed from it because they just see seagulls being a thing. So like, I think that's quite cool. There was like a really cool moment a few months ago where a friend of mine was wearing one of my t-shirts and I went to the shop and like I walked away from him for a bit and he was just standing there. And then another guy came up and was like, oh my God, are you Seagull? And my mate was like, no, but he's over there. But I got to see that play out. And that was really cool because that person thinks I'm like a real thing. <laughs> and I like, it's kind of like, it's cool. Like, yeah, no, it's, uh, I just like, I've, I'd like Seagull to be a big business thing, but it's just really good for the soul. You know, it just makes me feel nice that I actually came up with an original idea in this wacky world. You know, like, it's real hard to come up with original ideas anymore. And I'm just really proud that I came up with something that, A, makes people laugh and like people like at markets and stuff like that will come up to me and tell me stories about how they figured out the joke or stuff like that or the bit that they the thing that they really liked or the thing they really like whatever you know so i just think that's really nice it's just i mean it doesn't need to be more than that really does it <laughs> that's, that's a pretty amazing achievement for somebody who hardly ever went to art school <laughs> so i mean like you you talk about that like the the enjoyment of building that up and getting that recognition mm-hmm. um would you ever consider putting seagull to one side and starting again with something else i've like i don't know what i'd start with i don't know, like seagull one of the main things for me with it is it's funny i just love the fact that it's funny you know like i don't i couldn't i'd need to think of another pun i think it, it's just such a good collab of things that i'm interested in and it's just such a really weird like i like really weird specific jokes you know like kind of combining two things that are going on that are not related and combining them into one thing i mean like ha 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 that's funny um so like seagull is like a big element of that of my personality and i think it'd be hard to do another one of those i think it's a very specific thing that is hard to repeat if you know what i mean like yeah like maybe but i think i've just done so well like it's just such a perfect thing for the way that i am because it's just such a stupid joke <laughs> that it's just something that just goes really well with me like i couldn't imagine like going off and being like right seagull's dead i am now a designer no i'm not <laughs> like i would fail in that area instantly because i'm not good at that what i'm good at is like seeing like with a lot of stuff with seagull like, i don't plan it or anything like i've got like a shed full of paint from this that, and the other and it's totally more of a thing that i get up in the morning like, i'll think of a seagull joke in the night or somebody else will mention one to me and then the next day if i've got the day off i'll be like right i'm gonna go paint a seagull now like it's not a planned thing it's just something i like to do to make have an interesting day you know and when you so you talk about these sort of your the the other work that you do Mm -hmm. um 
And obviously, some of that is, is, is creative based as well. Yeah. Because um, you work with Scrap Antics. Yeah. Yeah. So I work at Scrap Antics, which is our creative recycling shop in Dundee, which is in uh, Meadow Mill underneath Wasp Studios. And it's the best. <laughs> like, I absolutely love it. We get loads of creative materials donated from local people, from businesses, from this, that, and the other. And we sell it really cheap to other people. And it's really fun. <laughs> like, just because it's. A, we just make up the prices like make, but we aim to be like 30% of what it what it would be in the shop but a lot of stuff that we get we don't even know what it is and people want to buy it so it's like oh, it's two pound and people always love it so I went on to it because like in real jobs that I've had I've made up prices and managers aren't really into it <laughs> but in that job it's just it's fascinating that nothing in Scrap Antics has any worth until somebody comes to buy it I think that's one of the coolest things in the world like it's just such a special thing in that people can get those little bits and bobs or just get this thing that they're totally inspired by and I'm going to make this out of this, I'm going to make this and it's just like, and going through the stuff that gets donated is crazy as well, like there's some of the stuff that you get in is mad, like it's really cool but it's just like, especially industrial waste or like the amount of paper we've got is insane like in paint and stuff like that, like it's just donated from businesses, they're like right I'm done with that and like this is the stuff that's getting donated so like it's shocking to think of like the amount of stuff that's getting just thrown away and landfilled in that area. so it's like a really nice job in that that I've managed to have some small effect on making stuff not get landfilled, you know, and just like, actually giving it another use. Like, it's just really cool. And it's really cheap. Like, well, like with one of the, I knew, met, know them originally from when, early on in Seagull when I was painting stencils. And I bought, like, I'd have, before I'd have to go up to the range and get a bit of card for like 150. But they'll give you like a whole stack of it for 150. So it's a game changer for that. So yeah, if you're an artist out there who wants cheap stuff, go to Scrap Antics. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it is an absolute treasure trove of. of yeah the weird and wonderful and yeah. practical yeah um but yeah like I mean, it is i mean amazing and quite eye-opening um the stuff that we just throw away it's crazy like i've i've grew up with my dad doing like car boot sales and like antique shops and charity shops and stuff like that to like sell stuff and everything blah 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 so it's been something that i've always kind of been around like i've always been into charity shops i think most of what i'm wearing came from a charity shop over the years you know so like it's always been something that i've been interested or kind of part of my world anyway but yeah just like when you work it's kind of like working in a kitchen when you see the amount of meat that goes through it's like wow we're pretty wacky but it's the same opposite end of it in scrap antics where you see the amount of stuff that we get and it's just like it's but it's great selling it and just having again like being able to give it that kind of second life you know it's pretty cool and yeah just especially the students i always feel really good for the students like there was this one girl a couple of weeks ago who was looking for some like camera film and i was like i don't know if we, we only found some cameras in the back the other day and we're like oh we've got some cameras Do you want to have a look at them and we got a camera and we looked at the film and she's like oh i might take the camera and i had to make up a price on the spot and like i was like 15 pounds she was like yeah and then some other guy came off from like screen left and like came in like after she'd left and he was like you just gave her a crazy deal like so it's probably worth quite a lot of money and like if we were in normal business evil business i don't know which we would be like trying to ebay it and stuff like that but like i love love the idea of that girl either a going and selling a camera paying a rent a little bit more brilliant but also uh, the other idea of her just having that camera forever and loving it you know and like they just get in this total new life but i think it's like really really cool thing to do yeah so i'm really happy with it at the moment yeah, like yeah. So we've got like a big warehouse full of just like the bigger industrial waste as well. We do loose parts play with kids in the park and just like stuff like that. It's just a really clever use of stuff that for a long time was just getting literally thrown in the ground. Yeah, I mean we worked. Um, Sandy helped us source a load of stuff for Design Festival this mm -hmm. year. Um, loads of as you say, like the bigger, more industrial things, yeah. like 
a giant, I don't know, 10, 15 metre roll of astroturf that was yeah. going into landfill and then all the, the giant barrels and pipes and yeah. all the rest of it that seems to magic up from a, a number of suppliers that again is just destined for for landfill. But um, like loose parts play is a really interesting sort of concept as well, using those like using those materials yeah, and bringing them to life again it's really fun like it's cool doing it with the kids like i've worked with kids in a lot of different ways and a lot like um over the years type thing and it's one of the funnest sessions to do with children because like with children a lot of the time if you're trying to introduce a session they'll kind of start at least parts playing by themselves anyway and that like when they're not listening to like an adult giving a an instruction or whatever a lot of the time they're like kind of playing with little stones little sticks or stuff like that so it's a cool session to be able to give it to them and be like that's what i want you to do just go like figure out what you want to make out of this and just kind of like the objective is to step back and be like just let them go for it obviously in like a kind of safe environment but like it is just really fun so obviously we do step in when it gets like if they're out to fall over for that to have something fall on top of their head eh? but otherwise like the amount of creativity and imagination they get off of it is insane like just like yeah, it's really cool. Right. Yeah, because I think we're often sort of stifled by the, the sort of health and safety mm-hmm. um, aspect of it, or oh, you can't do that, or yeah, what if this happens, or what if that happens? But yeah. then actually, that that's what stifles the the exploration, the creativity, yeah. the freedom of it. Yeah, like one of my favorite things about work, one of my favorite things early on in work with Scrap Antics is that like in every job I've ever had, there's always the risk assessment. The risk assessment in Scrap Antics, there's the risk and benefit assessment, which I thought was the best thing in the world. It's just like yeah, it's a risk, but also they might have a great time, <laughs> you know. And like it's so unlikely that loads of these things that we account for will ever happen like i'm totally up like i get where a lot of our laws and a lot of the stuff we do like i understand why it exists and all that jazz but with loose parts play is just kind of the kids just get to kind of mess about with stuff and just be like oh what is this how heavy is this and it's like really creative session but it's also sneakily fit healthy and active as well you do like some i some of the kids we work with we know that like they won't participate in gym classes or that but like they'll lift stuff all day long just to like make their den or make a fort like they'll put much more energy into it and like some of the kids i grew up near the forests and like in the borders and like we built dens and stuff like that that's just what we did but like some of the kids we work with never built a den before and building the den is the best and like i think they like those ones get really into it yeah so it's a really fun session to do and again it's the same thing as the shop with the recycling stuff it's just so cool seeing this stuff be played with by kids as opposed to just throwing away and being like oh you can't touch that you know like, yes they can they'll be right <laughs> they touched it it was fine <laughs> the um but you've you've got another sort of side project i suppose using uh, <laughs> some of the materials and bits and pieces from yeah. scrap antics well i did um <laughs> well like basically i think i was touched on it a bit earlier is i get real excited about projects for about four or five months and then get bored um so earlier on in the year i thought it'd be funny to build a mini golf course um <laughs> yeah it was really funny i can to be honest you i've not thought about that in a while like i feel like it was a lockdown project i'll say that but it was really a few years ago me and my girlfriend were in canada and we played croquet with her family and like it was really fun ha 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 uh, then we got an allotment maybe my girlfriend got an allotment a couple of years later and i kind of organized for a friend of mine to bring down a golf club and a golf ball so we could like kind of do croquet she like for like see mr family and stuff like that so built this kind of like little rubbish little croquet set in the garden that was stuff that we had and then kind of built this really weird little mini golf course out of just stuff and like little bits and bobs that I had lying about which and like at the time it was brilliant but it was kind of like very jigged together like duct tape and like bits of stick holding stuff up and like it was funny then like, i bought a 3d puzzle notre dame for the board to go through and everything like it was from a charity it was like four pound totally worth it and yeah that was really really funny at the time and then the next year what happened was that like 
what did happen? Oh, yeah, I got a load of wood from Open Close. So they had built like a parklet thing in town, but they were getting rid of it. So I took it and figured, and then lockdowns and all that jazz happened. So I built a full on four hole mini golf course in my allotment, including like a hidden jump and like the ball goes through strawberry fields and stuff. And like, there's a little train that pushes the ball about. And it's like, like I'm saying that it's a bit broken now as well because it's been out in the rain for ages. So it was just like. I mean, it's kind of ties in a bit to what I was saying earlier with like, it's amazing that I've done seagull for this long because like, there's like a load of other versions of mini golf in my life where I've just got real excited about it and been like, this is the best. And then like just finishing it and being like, right, done, bye. And on to the next thing. So it is amazing that I was saying like, just quite time quite well is I like, with seagull because I get to do the same, I, I mean, different ideas. I just hate doing the same thing over and over again. Like I've never painted up, there's a couple that I've repainted a pun later when i've come up with a much better design for it or kind of felt that didn't do it right but mostly i've only ever done any of my pictures once you know like and i've put a lot of effort into it it's just like right i think a lot i think there's other people who would like redo the same joke and over and over again but well, i've done it once and then that's it you know but yeah mini golf is quite a good example of just being like this is the best and, like never even filmed it like i was gonna like do like proper film and other stuff like that for like for instagram blah blah, blah whatever but yeah, never got around to it <laughs> just because like just got real overexcited about building mini golf course. It was very funny. <laughs> and then it, it is something that Dundee lacks as a good mini golf course. Yeah, well, like I was considering doing it as a session. Like we might be doing it as well in the future. Like maybe with scrap hands, it's like we're figuring out the best way to kind of do it type thing. But yeah, I might be looking because it's a total possible thing to do, and it has some cool elements to it, which I think would quite work. Because when loose parts play, we build marble runs quite a lot of the time. So that's like uh, one that the kids lean on, not lean on quite heavily, but something we use to engage very quickly. Like kids love rolling balls and stuff. You know, who doesn't actually? Adults love it, you know. So with the mini golf course, I think there's quite a decent opportunity to have like kind of a starting point, elaborate marble run end point and having the kids kind of engage with it in that way. So like we're looking at doing it at the moment, just kind of figuring out some of the logistics of making it work in real time but i've got some ideas for it but yeah and so so what's the next four or five month obsession that oh, i be don't in? know like it's just it changes all the time and it just it comes out of nowhere and then my studio is just covered in stuff related to it and then i have to clean it up <laughs> after a while so i don't know what the next thing is going to be and i'd like to like I don't know, I just think I'm going to find some stuff through Scrap Antics that I'm more interested in or like kind of get more into building stuff with them. Like I think like I'm taking a while to kind of process everything that's available now because of the loose parts stuff and everything. Like there's like some real big bits of equipment like, and then we're looking at making games that we can take out to schools, like more, I suppose loose parts play like more designed games that have an objective and stuff like that. So we're looking at doing some of that as well. And I've got a fair amount of experience in running like large scale games with kids from working for PGL for a long time. Uh, and so like- PGL? Uh, Peter Gordon Lawrence, like outdoor sports company, where you go and do like kayaking and climbing and blah blah blah. So I like, quite a lot of experience in doing that as well. So I think over the bit of the winter, we're going to be having a look at how to make games. Like I don't really know what. Yeah, I think it'll be quite. We get loads of these giant cardboard tubes that car um carpet comes in. So we're looking at maybe doing like a thing where like the group gets four of them and a pallet, and then they've got a. So you know how like they moved Stonehenge on top of trees like or objective like that where you've kind of got to move the thing from A to B. So like looking at figuring out a few things that we can use these objects to make some games. And I think I'm going to fill some of my time with that. And so nice because I like I should be really busy with Seagull at Christmas season at the moment, but I just haven't been arsed at all. Like I've tried to sit down and do it a little bit, but I just I feel like because I missed markets last year because of COVID and I didn't really miss it. Like markets and that were right, but it's just like. Um, a good market's a great day for the soul but like a bad market is just a terrible terrible time where you spend like kind of sometimes like 30 40 quid to go stand in a, a hall with loads of other artists and like it's fun like chanting the other artists but at a certain point 
it just gets really quiet <laughs> and it's just kind of like what, what are we doing here you know like there's a thing that i like to call the craft market rustle where because a lot of markets have a time that you've got to kick out we've got to be there till like say four o'clock so about quarter to four at a really bad one you'll hear everyone start rustling all their little bags and stuff together trying to get out but not making it look like they're leaving and so yeah that's if i say i've not been asked to market this year as well like, maybe i'll do it again next year but i don't know like, i've just been like yeah, I just like doing prints and stuff like that. Because like, the main thing that I do with Seagull at the moment is edited pictures. So like drawing seagulls, like my style seagulls on stuff that I'm getting from charity shops. And I really like that. I think it's a really nice. I think it's really good for what I've been saying tonight about wanting to not do the same thing over and over again. So each picture's different. So I've kind of got to think of a different thing to do for it. And it's also recycling as well, which I'm totally into. So like, it means it's not creating more waste. It's taking something that was waste and adding to it and it's sort of like it's totally original so people get to get something that's just not a generic print that i've released you know what i mean like yeah so that like i like doing the frame pictures and stuff but i've been doing it for so long now i'm starting to get bored of that and it's just like oh, damn, i just <laughs> i wish i could just stick to something for a while but i just find it i do find it difficult was, yeah but i really like the frame pictures one though because it, yeah it's just like it's a challenge because they like, just doing a print isn't really a challenge but like kind of getting these pictures and be like right i've got to think of a a joke and be like the design and not mess it up and everything like that so it's quite a nice little version of that for me so yeah just before we finish up is there anything that you would recommend something you've been listening to watching reading maybe uh the dollop um dollop is an american history podcast um i almost went into that intro there because i've listened to it so much but it's like it's a it's a jokey one but they read real stories from history it's like a lot of times american history books around history and like it just breaks down how insane our world is to me sometimes like just some of the stories of things that have happened in this world that we don't have any idea about but they're totally big things and it just kind of they, they take that it's very funny and everything like that but it's also there's after listening to quite a lot of it you just kind of realize how insane crazy we are as a species sometimes and now it's the same as it was in the 1800s the way that people react to stuff and everything like that it's just like you're like hey wait a minute that's how we would react to the dollar all day long um this one definitely and my favorite piece of entertainment ever is the world was the audiobook i think that's one of the best things in the world like because it's a really good book and that and everything but each as if if you're not familiar with it it's kind of somebody recounting what happened during the zombie apocalypse each story is read by so there's one guy who's the main narrator and then each story is kind of narrated by a different person so it becomes really real and stuff like that and it's a really cool breakdown of what would have ha- what happened in the zombie apocalypse i listen to it it's one of the few things i'll listen to like every year or watch like over and over again just because i think it's a really well done piece of art i guess um and if anyone does want to find you uh, where do they do that? I uh, do a big seagull call. <laughs> no, um, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Seagull, like really annoyingly, like it's I early on I was C dot G U L L, and then after a while I realized I could do C dot G U L because that's kind of funnier. It's a bit shorter and stuff, shorter and stuff. But there's a guy on Instagram, just some guy whose name happens to be C dot G U L L, and but he doesn't use his Instagram either, and it's really it's annoyed me for years because every once in a while he's like in Turkey or something like that, and I messaged him at one point, but he never got back to me, and I messaged his brother, and his brother was confused. <laughs> um, so no, it's uh, Instagram at C dot G U L L, and it really annoys me still. <laughs> and on Facebook, it's something I don't know, something else. I don't... <laughs> well, that, that's us. Thanks. Okay. For So uh, thank you very much to Seagull for coming and doing the podcast. 
some really nice recommendations and I mean a nice insight into his his journey and how he's found his space within sort of street art and graffiti um, in Dundee and how that sort of developed over time. Um, I suppose he was quite honest about this sort of cadence and his focus over time and how that sort of um, how projects evolve and how he works them and then sort of moves on to the next thing which I thought was really really interesting. Um, but yeah, definitely go and check out his work and, and check out um, the stuff that Scrap Antics do as well. Um, all the links are in the show notes. Um, and if you want to support the podcast, if you really enjoyed this episode, or I mean, if you have been listening for a while, um, any support is very gratefully received. And um, you can buy me a cup of coffee now to support the podcast. So it's ko-fi.com uh, forward slash CCC Dundee. You can also follow um, if you want to find out about new episodes, other stuff coming up. Um, next week um, I've got Kerry Aldo on the podcast which is another great episode um, an insight into her career from sort of Dundee to Leeds and then back again but yeah if you want to follow for all the latest updates all the releases it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and Instagram and facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee but yeah until next week with Kerry Aldo bye (laughs)